Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for Coffee and Booze. Clink. Hey, Shyla, how's it going? I am tired. I know. But for you good are. reasons. Right? I know you're tired, <laughs> but I hope you can be excited and ecstatic. The cheerleader in me is dying today. Yeah. Because we had a really good day yesterday. Congratulations we on Palmyra's Great Give Year Two. Yeah, we made it. I wow. I mean, you know, in a land of In a Jeff and pandemic. <laughs> let's get to it. I can't believe it. We did it. We pulled something off, right? We more than pulled it off. Yeah, so year two of Paul Myers for Give, we decided back in, what, May, that this was not going to be the event that it mm-hmm. was last year. But giving and, yourself that permission, mm-hmm. don't you think that helped us not be tied to expectations of the past? Yeah, I think so, and I think it was smart. I mean, mm-hmm. at that point in May, we had no idea. We, things could have been back to complete normal. We had no yesterday. idea. We had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with Tony being the good planner that he is, said, you know, I don't think there's a land where we can yeah. pivot quickly with and this. And just to, just to so. share with our listeners some, last year, Palmyra's Great Give, it was the first time that we had done it. Mm-hmm. And the hope of this um, entire day of giving was to be about bringing organizations together for a collective day of giving so that they could have a greater impact all of one time. Absolutely. And it had a, a, an enormous community day yes. that had somewhere around 2,000 people. I mean, it was yeah. absolutely huge. We and then there was that out on milkshake ratio, so we'll yes, get to that. The, the farm show milkshakes. We'll get back to that because it's, it's a thing in these parts. Absolutely. Um, but it had this big community day piece live, but it also, the main focus or, or another focus component was online giving and trying yeah. to sort of help people see that an online giving day, that the um, that the effort like is so worth the, the benefit that you get from it. You get this absolutely. incredible thing and you can see great things like how the organizations are doing and there's a stretch pull and we'll get to all these cool things. Yeah. But like you said, in May, Tony, who who is a member of the committee who does who was the orchestrator of the of the in person community, community day, day huge yeah. effort, yes. um, said this this we can't be planning for something that may not happen. And yeah. and good thing. We would not have been able to have had it. Yeah, because part of it was not only the planning piece, but it took a you know, a good amount of sponsorship mm-hmm. to be able to pull off what we did last year because we had what, ten inflatables, they were all free. Mm-hmm. They we were live inter- bands. Yeah, live mm-hmm. bands. We had free free entertainment. We had um, organizations could come and set up a food truck rally. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a lot going on, mm-hmm. um, and it was great. It was a fun day, but um, you know, I, I think it, it it served kind of a couple of purposes this year. You know, one obviously mm-hmm. we couldn't do that, so it was right. just a matter of not being able to do it. But two, I think it kind of helped to realign people that yes, we can celebrate community by being together. But one mm-hmm. of the focuses that we really wanted to get back to was this giving on the mm-hmm. specific day. Absolutely, and selfishly, yeah. and, and you know this, um, my sort of job with Pamaya's Great Give mostly focuses around the website mm-hmm. and, and our partners give gab who who we work with on that um and and so selfishly i was kind of nice it was nice for me to be able to focus and see what could the online giving presence really do on its own not yeah. that i don't think there should there shouldn't be a community piece to it um and we'll talk about how we did some of that virtually um but it was just kind of nice to focus for me personally to focus on that piece um and it was super successful i i we're, we're like three minutes into this podcast and we haven't told everybody it yeah. was very successful yeah. shyla how do we do so we are currently a uh, day after because we're going to keep this open. <clears throat> Excuse me, my COVID sticking around. That's oh, a joke. that's not it's even not. true. That's not even true. It's her allergies. Not too soon. Oh, sorry. Too, too soon. soon. <laughs> yes. Um, 
uh, one week, I'm sorry, one day after, we're at 29,160 uh, for 24 organizations. We've raised that much money That's absolutely um, across incredible. those many organizations. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we were very excited, um, mm-hmm. mostly because we spent $0 in marketing. Which was amazing. Last year, we raised $22,000 um, online, right. plus we had a few offline things. Um, and without that this year, we just didn't know where things were going to go. And to be honest, just to be really respectful of where people are right now, families don't necessarily have the capacity. Right. Our community doesn't necessarily have that. And so this wasn't an effort to exhaust people, but instead give the opportunity to support these different organizations that need to be even stronger as COVID is Absolutely. will hopefully come to an end here, right? Yeah. So um, congratulations, friend. It was really yes. a wonderful Thank day. Yes. But when we decided not to have the in-person community day, we had to kind of rally some other ideas, right? And so how did yeah. that look different this year than, than in the past? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that I think was a little bit missing from last year was the ability to really... Um, broadcast out what the organizations are doing mm-hmm. in our community and how they're making impacts. And so we thought, well, why don't we do some live events on mm-hmm. Facebook? You know, just take this live, right. do a few interviews. Uh, we're kind of used to that format. We, we've done it once or twice. Weird. <laughs> Um, I loved how every interview we did. So so uh, Coffee, Beans, and Booze uh, hosted the first hour yesterday. Yep. Uh, we even put up a, a challenge gift that anybody, that the organization that received the most gifts between seven and eight, we, we put our money where our mouth is and supported the, the organization to do so, yep. uh, which was the uh, Campbelltown Community Alliance. Yep. Uh, they did a great job. They did great, um, yeah. And so we, we hosted throughout the day, and every interview we did, people were like, you guys are kind of good at this. And we're like... We're podcast, like literally we're ghosts of, of a very successful podcast show. And so thank you, Clinkers, for putting us to work and, and getting right. us some. Yeah. Yes. So Although our friend Cody did say we were kind of like a ratchet, ratchet QVC. QVC. So he's Cody, we're looking at you. He's I mean, not wrong at all. The photo that he had, he's not wrong. No, he's so not wrong. it's funny. Maybe we should put that up on Insta. Maybe we will. Then. Yeah, you guys will have to go check out the Insta to see the, the <laughs> our first photo of the day. We got better in our lives as the day went on. But you're totally right. So we you, you sent out a schedule to work. Yep organization leaders and said we will be at a location downtown socially distanced with masks on we would be able to interview you where you could talk about your organizations and I agree with you it was spectacular like talk about taking an opportunity to to focus on the organizations which is what the day is about in a new and different way so I hope we don't lose that because that was amazing I I think that's something we need to build into what we're doing and you know it's it's really the opportunity to talk about the why and it also gave organizations to do a call to action we Mm -hmm. we believe very strongly that and when I talk about Paul Myers Great Give I always say it's a one day give event to raise funds and awareness and awareness it's not just about the funds of course that's a great byproduct but you know it's just about raising Mm -hmm. the awareness of the organizations who who uh, exist in our community because as we've talked a thousand times before um we are not people who are you know the table is only so small and we can only fit so many people Mm -hmm. around it the table is big enough for all Mm -hmm. and if we utilize the resources correctly and we know what organizations are doing what and how then we can bring those organizations Mm -hmm. into the fold of what and we can get the right people to the right place i know in a couple weeks from now we're going to be talking uh, to vicky from lebanon uh, family health services um and and i 
I have worked with that organization. I, I helped them a number of years ago. They were working on a teen pregnancy awareness website and they needed mm. some help and they tapped me to come help with that. And I was thrilled to come and help with that. You know, I had a child really young. It spoke to my passions. I was, I was thrilled yeah. to do so. Um, but I had even forgotten all that they do. And so to yeah. spend that time with Vicki was so great. And I'm excited yeah. for our listeners to hear more in a few weeks. Yeah. But um, she, it was so great, great to, to yeah. hear that. And, and yeah. Jeff from the Tennis Association yeah. to hear about, you know, we talk about our organization organizations about like, yes, they have their focus, but that they're about collaboration and communication and all these other things. And it was sure. so great to hear that. Um, I'm super excited for, for what they're doing with the tennis association. Yeah. So it super was great cool stuff coming up. And mm-hmm. yeah, with, with Vicki, you know, we actually have a partnership with them at the Karen covered because a couple of years ago, it was very evident to me. We had a lot of younger children, mm-hmm. infants, uh, coming through our, our demographic has definitely shifted downwards mm-hmm. so that we're feeding more and younger, more smaller, younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, small young younger families mm-hmm. um and you know people asking us for formula and I'm like you know we could we could exhaust our resources buying formula and the right kinds of formula for mm-hmm. all the families who need it um, but as you know formula is expensive Very. it didn't make sense and I started thinking about what would it look like to bring in someone who's doing that work already mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, WIC, but is it possible to bring a WIC satellite here? And, you know, there were some hoops to jump through, but Lebanon Family Health Services is passionate about what they do. I was very willing to sit and wait for all of that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And lo and behold, we opened our WIC satellite clinic a year, almost two years ago, actually. But a perfect Um, example of organizations working together. Mm -hmm. So it's not about duplicating efforts. It's about sharing those efforts and the accessibility to those efforts. And Because you can't be good at it all, right? No. Oh, and why do, why duplicate? Exactly. We wouldn't do that at home, yes. right? We, we, we wouldn't be doing that. If Mark and I are both vacuuming downstairs, that's dumb. There's an upstairs to take care of, right? right. And so it's this, we don't do it in our in our own lives. Why would we do it with the, the nonprofits that are so precious and yeah. have so much work to do? So no, it's yeah. yeah, really great. So yeah, I was excited to hear about mm-hmm. some of the stuff happening in our community. It was great. Uh, SARC had a great announcement. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah. They have a new <laughs> announcement that uh, SARC is going to be working um, on a new um, initiative right in our community. Community, and they were able to use yesterday as a call to action to get people involved in that. Yeah. You know, that's Super exactly great. what we want, right? Yeah. That is thriving in a small town. That yeah. is saying, you know, right here we are. And so it was really great. Yeah. Um, it it was exciting. a celebratory day. Um, I worried about that because last year it was easy to celebrate with 2,000 people in the middle of a of a town park with balloons and inflatables and kids running around in the squeals. And I wondered if yesterday would have that feel. It did for me. Yeah. It really it did. did. Did it for you? Yeah, yeah it was Good. exciting. I, I didn't mm-hmm. feel as, as exhausted as the year before. So. No, I physically <laughs> felt a little exhausted because I found myself still not really sitting down. Oh, we sat yeah. down for some we, lunch. Yeah. Um, Mount Gretna Brewery was so generous to have mm-hmm. us broadcast from there in the afternoon. And Jake Wynn, shout out to Jake. He um, made us proud as he always does and, and, so and used his talent. He's yeah. so talented, but he's so generous with his talent and, yeah. and it will serve him so well in life. And um and so we were there when we sat down for lunch. I was like, "This is the first time we sat yeah. down since six a.m." You know, so that's it's true. Anything, yeah, but, I know our yeah. our alarms went off, and we were both like, "Why do we have? Why do we have alarms set for six a.m. on a Saturday?" I literally thought yeah. to myself, "Where am I going? What am I doing?" And then I heard Mark rustling around because he was he made us pancakes. Yeah, which was very the nice. House manager made pancakes. The day started with the house manager making us pancakes. The big joke about house managers: Mark has retired. He's now over a month and a half retired, and he's yeah. the we call him the house manager now. I love it. But you ended the day 
day. The, the final event of the day was yep. with Derek, your yep. husband, and the boys. Yep. You guys played a parent-on-kid uh, baseball game, we did, right? Yeah. Celebrating the Civic Baseball Association. We did, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, his team, they did a little home run derby mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of their... It was supposed to be... They told the kids it was practice, and then yeah. we surprised them with a home run. Uh, they had a home run derby contest with tennis balls, and then we played a, yeah, a parent-on-kid uh, wiffle ball game. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it's evident we were older, much older, but we won. We won by a run. Oh, get out. Wow, yeah. you beat the nine-year-olds. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> no, it's good. But it was a great day for yeah. our community, um, and it was really an illustration of so much that's great. Another illustration of what's so great in our community is today's interviewee. I'll tell you that Shailene Scheib is quite something, yeah. and I can't wait for our listeners to hear from her. She is an honest-to-God firefighter, like a volunteer firefighter, which yeah. I can't imagine the bravery, and I'm so um, thrilled with her that she shared with us how she got to what she's doing, and it's people like this who just yeah. keep me so inspired. And she's very so mm-hmm. involved in so many things, and and just a good community pioneer for raising money and awareness for mm-hmm. so many things. That she, she gets it, in. yeah, she gets well, it. Well, she kind of does it for a job, I guess. She yeah. does. I mean, she she's a yeah. fundraiser for her job, but she is an incredibly generous human being Mothers, since birth. Yeah. I mean, I, I that part of it too. like and just has always been inspiring and delightful. And and she's one yeah. of those people. You know, I met her in her college years, and she was, has been inspiring since day one. So, um, you know, we're just so lucky to have kept her in our community and kept her around these parts. So. Pitsy and Nolly are also grateful. Pitsy right. and Nolly are grateful because Shailene is, in addition to being a full-time fundraiser, a volunteer firefighter, all the other things that she does, a cigar aficionado, she is also a dog trainer. And yes, mm-hmm. we have used her uh, multiple times. We used her on her previous uh, little pup that we had. And then when we got these two little puppies, um, she came and helped us and uh, even lent her talents when they were in Legally Blonde and needed to learn how to give a high five. She came and worked with them. I'm not even kidding you. And so she's just fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah, she was a fun interview. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a good time. So yeah. we hope that you all enjoy. Hey, Jasmine. Hey, it's so good to see you. You too. How's yeah. it going today? It's, it's great. It's great. We're so excited to welcome our guest today, who I know, but I think you know better. I do. I, I've had the joy of knowing Shailene for, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure how many years it's been now because we've had the joy. I knew Shailene as a student at Lebanon Valley College, mm-hmm. but even more so, I had the great joy of getting to work with her. And even though we are not at the same institution, I still feel like we work together because I know she's out there working in the world the way that I am. And she is a freaking hustler to get shit done yeah. and I I am like she knows I'm like number one fan business here but did you guys overlap in school at all uh I'm 05 Shailene you're yeah I'm oh seven so okay. we would have had two years yeah. you did you did overlap some and yeah. so yeah so with that though Shailene could you share with our clinkers a little bit about like what you're doing now uh and give us a little intro to you oh my goodness well thank you guys so much for having me this is really exciting I, a little bit about me. Um, I have been out of, I guess, working professionally for 13 years, which it doesn't seem like 13 years sometimes. But um, then when I look at the year, I think, dear God, it has been that long. <laughs> so my professional career has been entirely in fundraising. So nonprofit fundraising, mostly education and healthcare, uh, but also some general, um, your traditional, if you will, um, umbrella organization fundraising. Uh, so that's what's been kind of the driving force for me professionally. But then in my spare time, I uh, like to consider myself a pretty damn good dog trainer. You and, are. Yes. <laughs> and, 
And I also think, you know, just like you ladies, that giving back to your community is incredibly important, both professionally and personally. So I find it to be very valuable to sit on a statewide board. Uh, I also serve at the United Way of Lebanon County for a couple of their committees. And I do work with another nonprofit organization as a volunteer. And then I also serve as a volunteer firefighter. You do, which I absolutely love. And we are definitely going to dig into that a little bit here in a little while here. But we're going to dig into just a couple of other things first. Yeah. So professionally, you know, you've always been someone who's so accomplished because I think you really believe in in fundraising for good causes. I mean, you absolutely you you know, and and Mm Shyla and I have talked about this many times. Like neither one of us are people who are afraid to do the ask. Like we're really not because if you believe in what you um, are asking for asking for the gift is not hard to do right people will give how do you approach people to help them care about what they're going to give to like when you're approaching someone like is is you know how do you help make that case I think that's a really good question and it depends on the person but it's honestly all about connecting passions so if I'm talking with someone and for instance with LVC it was always tell me what you loved about LVC tell me about your experience at LVC um you know an incredibly large majority of our students receive scholarship and financial aid and were you one of those students or maybe your roommate was one of those students and it's all about making something tangible to that person that connects back to their passion Mm -hmm. so if they're talking a lot about a professor in the history department that they really enjoyed or um, someone who worked in an office on campus when they were a student worker or a coach who really made an impact on them I think that's really important Mm -hmm. to make that connection but I'm also a huge proponent of the work that we do in nonprofits in some way, shape or form makes life easier or better for somebody who's going through something that is difficult. Mm -hmm. So if you as one person can help someone get through something that's a struggle or something that they may not have been able to accomplish without your support, you've truly made a difference. And that's what I, that's how I try to view the work that I do. Yeah, There's a sure. qu- quote from uh, Emerson that I really like. It's super long, uh, but at the end it says, to know that one life has breathed easier because of you is to have lived. And that's what I use as the reason I wake up every day and go do my job and yeah. serve my community. Because if you can connect one person with a program or an individual to say, your support is able to get this program started or this person here or help someone on a career path that they wouldn't have been able to do before. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful and that's pretty impactful. So yeah. that's, it's all, uh, about, it's the all about the connection. All about the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, personal. But how do you deal with, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the complications that come along with overhead myth, right? That's a huge problem in nonprofit right. industry is like, well, you could have a volunteer do that. Or, you know, <laughs> why are you paying the ED so much money when that could be put mm-hmm. back into programming? Or, you know, th- those questions become really, really big questions that you have to battle with all the time in nonprofit land. So how Absolutely. do you come at that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the, and you're right, that's such a struggle Um, But we never question for-profit businesses, right? Like we never sit there and say, well, why are you spending so much money on X, Y, or Z? Why are you paying your CEOs Mm -hmm. six figures? Why are you paying, you know, your assistant VPs high five figures? You know, why are they low six figures? So my response to that is, you know, we are here to do great work, but we have to be able to have the opportunities and the programs in place which 
in order to do those, you need people on the ground working. You need space for them to get their job done. You need to be able to have a backing for them to do what they need to do. And quite honestly, we're working in industries that are pretty incredible and we're working for organizations that are doing some pretty great work. But for volunteers, like it's a volunteer commitment. So mm -hmm. I have two hours to do it now. Great. I'll do right. it now. If you don't, you don't. Mm -hmm. and when it's your job, it's a commitment. It's a really it's strong commitment. So yeah. I, I like to look at it as, you know, we have work to do and we need the tools to do it. And if you're not going to question for profit, why are you questioning a nonprofit? Yeah. Especially now during COVID times. Yes, absolutely. It's so tough. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the numbers don't lie, right? So when yeah. I took my job at the Karen Cupboard, I get that a lot. Oh, are you paid? Are you paid? Mm -hmm. Yes. And because you know, the organization needs that stability. Yeah. Well, they, and they need that. Exactly. Or it's not, right. it's, it's, I, I yes. work with both um, organizations that have paid staff and it has that stability. And then I work with some organizations that don't. And it's 100% mm -hmm. volunteers. And it's very, it's like walking through quicksand and not because people don't want to or they don't right. care, but it is mm -hmm. the and. It's the, I do this and. It's the yep. two hours or whatever. So even myself, I find myself falling this and I'm like, hold up a minute. You need to have a bit more, not commitments, not the word. People can be committed and mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. only have a certain capacity. So yeah. right. you work with a, a wide variety of organizations, you know, um, United Way of Lebanon, um, all, all kinds of different organizations. And you're you're not from this area originally. You're, you're from... Right. From like the the um, up in the skook, as you often say to me. I'm from, I'm from, from Skooka County. County. You are. So oh, what part of Skooka County are you from? I, I don't know. I grew up in Tremont. Okay. So Oh yeah. Southern end of Schuylkill County. Okay. Yeah. So what makes you love this? I mean, you you are a hustler, and I mean, we haven't even gotten to dog training yet. She's an amazing dog trainer, by the way. Amazing. <laughs> Pitsy and Noli would not be the puppets that they are if it wasn't for that, uh, for Shailene. Um, but um, but what makes you, you appreciate? What makes you want to serve this community so much? Because I I know you're a server and you're a doer. Don't get me wrong, but I think mm -hmm. you have a special passion for this region. Um, where yeah, does that come yeah, from? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really good question, but I want to go back to something mm -hmm. you guys said um, about, you know, if you're working with, if you're with a nonprofit organization, you have paid staff versus volunteer staff. Mm -hmm. If you're working, especially with donors, you need continuity. And if you're trying to gain people's trust to have one person come and talk to you about money, and then six months later, someone new comes and talks to you about money, there's no trust there with right. your donors. So it makes it difficult for them. So. Uh, that's why you need paid staff. You know, mm -hmm. obviously people are eventually going to leave positions or move up or whatever, but then there's continuity to do a warm handoff. Like, you know, Charlotte's been an absolute pleasure working with you for the last four years. I received an opportunity that I'm going to head off to to further myself, but I'd love for you to meet my colleague Jasmine, who will now be taking over mm -hmm. and working with you. And she's great. And here's what she's done. And that's a warm handoff. And people feel really right. confident. They feel taken that. care of because mm -hmm. people have Absolutely. a lot of, they have a lot of opportunity to support a lot of different things, whether we're talking about financial resources or we're talking about mm -hmm. human resources, everybody is spread so thin. And so that warm handoff and taking care of someone and having the plan for that, a nonprofit yep. cannot exist without that. It mm -hmm. just can't. Yep. It just absolutely can't. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Funny enough, when but, we were starting to, to mm -hmm. do the walkthrough and, and I was hired at the Karen Cupboard, uh, someone made the comment that no nonprofit exists with paid staff. And I choked on my water a little. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> no, and this like and this person was a nonprofit attorney. Is oh, and oh. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna go hide my on my uh, corner here. Yeah, that's not a thing. That's, gonna, that's yeah. not a thing. There there are all different kinds of organizations, and there are all all kinds of models. And Absolutely. I think and every field and Absolutely. industry needs its own. Um, mm -hmm. But no, that stability you you really can't replace that with a lot yeah. of things. Absolutely. And, it's, and it's a respect thing. We should respect people who are working hard mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. improve our community. 
opportunities and to provide the yeah. things yeah. that people need and the services that people need. Well, and it's accountability. How do you hold an, a volunteer accountable, right? right? We run into right. that all the time. Like a mm-hmm. volunteer says they're going to do X thing. They don't show up. What? what do you, how right. do you hold that person accountable? And so, right. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's several pronged reasons why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a good idea for sure. Yeah. But yeah, sorry to take you guys off that track, but to, to go back to um, why Lebanon County, you know, I, I love Schuylkill County. I love the Skook. Mm-hmm. I still have family that lives there. It's a huge part of who I am, uh, which I think, you know, people from Schuylkill County are hardworking and, and very humble. And uh, here's here's what I'm going to do for the day and I'm going to get it done. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and Lebanon County very much reminds me a lot of Schuylkill County in the mindset of the people in that people are friendly, they're outgoing, they're, you know, they'll drop anything for you to help you if needed. Uh, they're passionate about their family, they're passionate about what they do. And it's just a great area with, I think, a lot of opportunity that when I decided that Lebanon Valley College is where I was going to go to school, I kind of fell in love with the area. And it's beautiful. It's small enough for me to feel comfortable without feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And it gives, I think it, it provides an opportunity and in, in its size and its economic makeup that you can really make some pretty strong connections mm-hmm. regardless of where you live. Mm-hmm. So you could have great connections if you live in Lebanon, but you work with businesses in Palmyra or Myerstown or Newmanstown or, um, you know, mm-hmm. Oh no. So I think it's, I think there's a lot to be said for the people that live here and that's why I really like it. And, uh, since 2003, I've essentially mm-hmm. been in Lebanon County. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of wild. Then, yeah. You're going to hit that point where you're here longer than, than you weren't. Right. Yeah. yeah so, right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about this not so side hustle you got going and, and, your love, <laughs> and your, and your, well, you several of them. Um, but you know, your love of animals, your dedication mm-hmm. to being a dog trainer, you know, you are, you are so compassionate, but I'm going to be honest, you're a force with those little pups. Like you're like, <laughs> you know, and, and it was really neat for me um, when we did get the puppies and, and, and we we cared about them so much and you had worked with our with our previous dog and everything else but it was really neat for me to watch you in the way that you balance that love and caring and instruction but truly coming from a standpoint of what was best for the animals and what was mm-hmm. the, and what was best for us like we felt mark and i felt like we were a part of the decision making of what type of animals we want to help guide these you know we wanted them to feel safe and we wanted them to feel and and animals where does that come from for for you sort of this this philosophy of how you approach training because it's it's really interesting we talk to teachers all the time Mm -hmm. about what makes you a teacher and and why how do you have your educational philosophy what Mm -hmm. what brings you to how you how you get you get to the way that you instruct yeah you know I don't know if I've if I've really sat down and thought about it but I think um the level of compassion and dedication to animals is something that's I I'm pretty sure I was born with Mm -hmm. it like I had something that's always been a part of my life. Like my mom would come home and she, she would have rescued an animal on the side of the road or, Oh, I found this chicken and it didn't have a home. So I brought it here. And, <laughs> uh, so I think that's, that's always something that's been important to me, but I firmly think like, especially with, with dogs, I mean, they're, they're there to be your best friend, your pet, but they need boundaries just like people do. Like if you're just told like, Hey, go do whatever you want. You're, then we're gonna go do right. You're gonna go do whatever. Yes, I would be. I listen. Shyland Jasmine with no boundaries. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no boundaries. No expectations. No. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Point, so yeah. I think like dogs are the same way. You know, you you 
let them know what you want them to do, what's expected of them. And if they don't do it, you correct them, but give them something to do that is, that you know that they can do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I mean, I don't have kids, but it's just like kids, right? Like you, you give them. Kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fairy <laughs> kids. It's just, it's like if you give them like, here are your boundaries, here's what you can do. Uh, here's what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, dogs and children will push those boundaries. But as long as you let them know, like, it's a safe place and here's how we're going to handle it and here's what we're going to do, then that, I think, is only to the betterment of, of your pet. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I say it's like two, it's it's like a house, right? So you can't have two positive sides of a house and expect the house to stand. You need two positive sides of the house and two negative sides of the house. And if a dog's, like, jumping, you know, with them to jump, then you train them how to not jump by... You know, you put a leash on them, you mm-hmm. you pull them down when they jump. So they don't know that you're doing it and you're not touching them. But then you're asking them to sit and they're getting a treat. And they're like, oh, this is great. If I don't jump, I get a treat. Mm-hmm. So you're giving them those boundaries within, like, the four walls of positive sides and negative sides. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I remember getting, when I got Dundee. Dundee's now mm-hmm. almost 13. Uh, and our vet said, like, she needs a person. You, mm-hmm. you have to be the person. Like, you, ha- she mm-hmm. needs a her leader. Like, yeah. you, you need yeah. to be, you need mm-hmm. to be more of a force. Like, I know it's not fun, but like telling mm-hmm. her to sit before you take her outside yeah. and getting her yeah. to calm down and doing these things. And it made a world of a difference. They yeah. thrive under yeah. it. They really do. Yeah. And we, and we do too. You know, when we are in a community mm-hmm. that sort of has a, a common expectation, we have that, that same yeah. thing. Um, what was also really cool to watch you with, with the pastry pops too, was, you know, within, I think, <laughs> I think 30 seconds of your first time with them, you said Noli is food driven and Pitsy is is play driven. And it was interesting because it really made me think about how you relate to people as well. And I'm not suggesting that like you size up how you do with a person, but you are a really <laughs> perceptive person. And it reminded me at the time of Thanks. like how much, and you are, and how much you really take the time to sort of step back watch people and and relate to them on a level that you know is their passion and and them and i think it's what what makes you such a good community leader as well and so um yeah i I suspect that that leads into a lot of your life so (laughs) so we suspect that some of the sizing up um also occurs in another side hustle of yours which you mentioned earlier which is at the firehouse which where (laughs) you are a female among lots of males and you have some aspirations right Mm -hmm. we we learned about some uh, aspirations i do pre pre screen so yeah. tell us a little yeah what's that like so it is it is an interesting world um to be a female in a pretty much incredibly male dominated field mm-hmm. um even even the apparatus like for me to get up in i've literally had to have people like lift me in mm-hmm. if i'm running to get on the rig for a call uh it's hard for me to reach some things it's a challenge pull certain hose lines just because of height differences, mm-hmm. but then you have to be creative. Like I've learned how to do things based on my size versus an officer that's five eleven. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. your ten inches on me are definitely right. are definitely an advantage Cause, to cause you. Because you're wee like me. You're you're, you're in wee land with me. That's right. I'm yeah. quite wee. I'm mm-hmm. quite tiny. Yeah. Uh, so so it's interesting, but I also think that um, in the fire service, you know, you have to prove yourself. And if you prove yourself by uh, keeping your head down and working hard, you gain respect. And I think I've been lucky with my company that I have the not only the respect of the guys in my company. Um, we also we've we, we've definitely had more women join. Um, so I'm kind of like in charge of all the women, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, but you know, you have to work hard to gain respect, regardless of your male or female. And as long as they see you working hard and learning and willing to do things, and 
keep working hard, they're going to respect you for that. So I think that's a, that's a definite plus, but I'm kind of like everyone's like little sister at mm-hmm. the fire company. Mm-hmm. Like I know that, you know, they would do, not that you, not that they wouldn't do anything for anybody else mm-hmm. in the crew, but I think there's a little different level of uh, protection if you're a female and more of a male dominated mm-hmm. industry like the fire service. So in something like that, do you meet that as a challenge or like it, it seems like you've never been one to be like, oh, they expect me to fail. So I'm like a self-fulfilling mm-hmm. prophecy. Like you have been like, all right, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what this is <laughs> like and what I can do. Yeah, it is. I look at it as a challenge uh, because I want to prove to myself that I can do it. I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. I want to prove to myself that I can do it. I, it's also, I think, helpful sometimes. You know, the fire fire uh, fighting is not a hobby that you can take lightly. Like, it, it could essentially kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need just, to learn. Just a little, how, it could essentially yeah. kill I mean, you kind of thing. Right. And I find even the word details. hobby as, as an interesting <laughs> one. You know what I mean? Like, because um, how, how did you get involved originally? I actually don't know this. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I just, so... all of a sudden, one day you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm heading to the firehouse because you know it's what I do. And I was like, I didn't question it because that's what you do. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's. I'm a fourth generation firefighter. Um, my dad is still currently an assistant chief. He's been a firefighter for longer than I've been alive. My mom was a firefighter and she was actually an assistant chief. Uh, my grandfather is a firefighter, was a firefighter, excuse me, and my great grandfather was a firefighter. So it's pretty much in my DNA. Uh, but the thing that really kicked it off for me to finally say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually go do this because I'd wanted to do it for a really long time. But it's a big time commitment. It's 160 volunteer hours just to go through essentials. And that's pretty much every weekend for six months. So who has that time? Uh, I can still remember it. It was a November. It was a Wednesday. A Wednesday. I think at like three in the morning. Um, And have you ever ever had a dream where you're incorporating the sounds outside into your dream? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I was dreaming that I heard like a helicopter. And I woke up and it was really, really, really bright in my bedroom like way too bright for three in the morning mm-hmm. and it was orange and the sound I heard was the police officer banging on my door to get me out because the house and I live in townhouse the house two doors down from me was on fire mm-hmm. and by on fire it was like when I got out of my house in about a minute and a half the flames were already shooting out the side windows and the back windows and their patio fence was on fire so mm-hmm. um Without the fire companies that responded, I would not have a home. Mm-hmm. And I walked down to the fire company because my actually fire station's about two blocks from my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I well, I stopped at the police department and said thank you with some cookies for getting me out. And then I went to the fire station and uh, you know, like a good little fundraiser, I wrote mm-hmm. them a donation and I took cookies down and I said, hey, thank you for um, truly saving my house and. I stood there and I talked with them for a little bit and they seemed like, oh, these are nice guys. And uh, they had told me, they said, well, you, I mean, at three in the morning, it's a lot of chaos and fire is always chaotic. Mm-hmm. But they said, like, we we could tell you kind of knew what was going on. I said, hey, you <laughs> this know, was kind of familiar. You, you, you at least yeah. grew up around this, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. they said, they were talking to me and asked me what I did for a living. I told them, they said, we need fundraising help. And I was like, I got you guys. I'll, I'll come yeah. down and help you. And then like a week later, my now chief said, hey, you know, you used to be an EMT. Do you want to, mm-hmm. do you want to become a firefighter? And I was like, hell yeah, I do. Like, I want to do this forever. Um, when, when can I start? And he's like, well, we got to sign you up for classes. <laughs> so you have a couple hours to do first. Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. So, so mm-hmm. that's, that's when I started. I guess I've been doing it for now four years, mm-hmm. five years, maybe. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, really, I mean, I think it's always something I was raised around and then, um, and then I've always wanted to do it. I just didn't have the yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I had that experience and I thought, hey, it's it's now or never. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, that's so I did it. I, I um, have a very, yeah, fire, fire, fire departments um, have a very special place in my heart because when my house flooded in Pine Grove in 2011, mm-hmm. um, the fire... My dad was probably there. Yeah. I mean, they mm-hmm. were part of the, like, they got us out by boat from mm-hmm. my house yep. and took us down. Yep. And the weird and really uncanny part about the whole thing is they literally took us, like, well, they, you know, put us in a bus and took us down, and they took us down, like, a block and a half, and there was no flooding. Like, that's mm-hmm. unfortunately how Pine Grove mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how meaningful that was. And I still actually give them gifts, not yeah. annually as much as I should, but, like, I, when I think about them, I'll write mm-hmm. them check and send it their way because you were they, pregnant. I was pregnant I was pregnant yeah. with Noah yeah and they came and I was like but are you gonna take my dog and they're like yes we'll take your dog come on let's go. <laughs> like, yeah so we had actually stayed in the house that, that whole night we shouldn't have we didn't know um and yeah the waters were pretty high and so they held, housed us they fed us they let us play cards mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. in their little firehouse and yeah, yeah I mean it was it was definitely an experience and something I didn't even think about that the fire company would offer is you know yeah. relief from flooding so well, and that's the amazing. thing is, is that that service mindset, it's, it's not about we help in this one way. It's, it's we help in we help. We help, yeah. we do, we support, mm-hmm. we find, you know. Um, but I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting, Shailene, you know, you have so many talents and ways that you could help them. And it would, be, <laughs> it would be easy to have said, you need a fundraiser. I'm sure that was earnest on their part. I'm sure they were like, we need a fundraiser. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I'll help. You were like, I got you with that. But I can I can put on the boots. I can do the thing. And I can, mm-hmm. and despite the challenges, um, I mean, you you express that this is not easy for you. You are we. And physically, yeah. this is a challenge. Yeah. It is hard. Um and, mm-hmm. and where does that drive come to fight through that? Because you, you've got to be fighting a battle through, more than just the battles of the yeah. fires, but, but to keep, keep what yeah. you do. Um, you know, I think it's something I need to, it's internal. You know, I want to prove to myself that I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just this drive that's, it's kind of hard to explain that uh, it's something that's so ingrained in who I am that mm-hmm. it's important to me to, to do it. And, you know, at some point, you know, I want to, I want to learn how to drive the rake. Like, how cool would it be to see, like, my eyeballs peeking over uh-huh. the steering wheel because yeah. I'm so tiny. <laughs> but I do I do have career goals to be an officer mm-hmm. in the fire service. So what I does that mean exactly for someone like me who doesn't so, fully yeah, know? know? What, what yeah. does it mean to be so an officer? So your officers are essentially in charge of the entire crew. So they run command on a scene, mm-hmm. whatever it is, a fire call, max mm-hmm. in, um, automatic fire alarm. Uh, but they will do – they're in charge of training – they're in charge of, you know, there's back-end paperwork for the fire service, but it's really making sure that the crew is safe, the crew knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. and that you can be the go-to person for them if they and need And a anything. coordinated effort, because we can't all yeah. just be flying to the building that's on fire. That's not how this works, right? I can't give <clears throat> Right, it. I mean, it's a it's, coordinated effort. It has to be. Mm-hmm. There has to be a strategy. Mm-hmm. There has to be a respect for mm-hmm. that individual, I'm sure, mm-hmm. right, to to be mm-hmm. like, no, this is how we are approaching this. And um, right. as with right. all things in life, I'm sure lots of people have opinions. So someone needs to that is That is true. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a leadership role and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, you have to think about a bunch of different things. You have to be thinking about who you're sending in to do what um, area of work on a call is, are these people capable of doing that? You know, cause we all have things we're afraid of. I mm-hmm. hate ladders. So right. dear God, please mm-hmm. don't send me up one, but I'll do it if I have to. Right. 
But I think. But you also equally have strong suits, so it's about it's about mm-hmm. pairing up the the talent, you yeah. know, and, and supervising. Yeah. So it's about it's about knowing your crew. Mm-hmm. Um, on the fire side, it's about knowing who they are as people too. Because if yeah. you tell me to do something and I don't really like you, I mean, I'll still do it, but I'll complain all the time. And that's so you have to have respect. Down. That's wasted energy, right, then, right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge respect level there too, and I you also have to be able to. Um, look at the safety of your crew. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're essentially in charge of all those people on that scene and you can delegate out, you know, if it's, if mm-hmm. it's super big, you can have other chiefs help you, other officers help you, but um, you know, you're, you're on the line for all of your crew and that's, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big responsibility. Yeah. That's kind of huge. So what's the, the vetting process look like to become an officer? What, what do you have to go uh, through? It, it depends uh, based on your company, but typically you have to do, certain, we'll say, entry-level courses in the fire service. Um, You have to have so many years of experience. And a lot of times they like to make sure that you know enough about each kind of situation that you'd Mm -hmm. be in. So our company is an engine rescue company, so we usually do a lot of, we've obviously fire calls like every fire company, but a lot of rescue work, so accidents. Um, We will do a lot of investigations outside, like it smells like, natural gas out Mm -hmm. here so we'll go check it out um automatic fire alarms are a big thing we've we are also a water rescue company like we can do water rescues um so the vetting process is a lot of times to be an officer you have to have at least your essential firefighting and then there's a step above that called firefight firefighter one and then there's a step above that called firefighter two uh so on and so forth so there's there's a lot of levels of Mm -hmm. classes you can take but really a class is um, a great a great learning tool, but there's also I think hands-on learning that you do sure. with your company, with other mm-hmm. trainings, with your company, with other companies, and it's always you should constantly be learning. And you know things change and things evolve, and you have to keep learning, just like with anything in life. But mm-hmm. the fire service absolutely. Um, so I like to tell you know if I'm working with cadets, and cadets are individuals in the fire service who are 18 years or younger. Mm-hmm. When I'm working with my cadets, I say learn from everybody that you can. Like come and talk to me. And then go and talk to another female firefighter and then go and talk to our captain or our lieutenant and then go to the chief and or go to a senior member and learn from all of them because everybody's going to bring something different to the table and right. you just pick and choose based on what works best for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Wow. Well, and, and Mentorship. Absolutely. Imagine that. Well, and, and, there's, <laughs> and there's no other way you're going you're gonna to get all of that, right? I mean, you're truly talking about life and death situations where every situation is different. So you need to have as mm-hmm. much experience as you can that while mm-hmm. education in a classroom is great and, and is needed as that yep. foundation, you've yep. got to scaffold mm-hmm. that on top of that real experience. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. you know, Nothing um, beats hands-on experience no, for sure. definitely. Well, Shailene, it, you're so fascinating and so interesting to talk <laughs> yeah. to. And, and I just, I, I love so much and very selfishly, we love that you are here in our community doing such incredible thank things. Thank you. Um, because it's yeah. just a, an absolute delight. Um, and so thank you so much. But before we go, we have yes. three questions that three we ask. Three burning questions. Burning questions Burn. that uh, we no, ask. Oh, every- no, no, uh, I didn't mean to say that. That's a burning? burning? I know. I know. So. I do feel like we should have had a fireball today. Is that is that not right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, we love yeah. some fireball. It's like, it's kind it's, of like our signature it's shot. It's signature so. thing. Of, so, um, yeah. But, so we do ask three questions. Uh, and Jasmine okay. picks it off here. I do. So the first question is, what is your go-to coffee beverage? Oh, that is a really good one. That is a, damn, that's a really good one. Uh, you know, cigar so in one think, hand and cigar, cigar in one right, hand. Cigar in one, one hand, hand coffee in the other. 
What is that called? You know, I think the mm-hmm. the s'mores frappuccino from Starbucks is probably mm, all right. probably my go-to. Okay, okay. we'll take Good. it. All right, so equally, if you've got a cigar in one hand, because you are a cigar mm-hmm. aficionado, um, yeah. Shyla has the question for it. For yeah. The next. So yeah. what's your what's your adult beverage? Your cocktail of choice. Oh, an old-fashioned, hands down. Yes. You're an old-fashioned yes. drinker, Love too. Old-fashioned, yes. Yep, hands down. Do you have down. a specific whiskey that you uh, like in your old-fashioned? Not whiskey? really. I mean, if I'm making it at home, I'll, I'll, I might use – I'll probably use, like, Woodford Reserve just mm-hmm. if I make it at home. Um but I don't. I don't really have a go. I don't I'm really a have a go-to whiskey. I'm a maker's girl. Maker's Your maker's mark. mark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No thanks. Mm-hmm. I, I think so too. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our last question uh, Mm -hmm. happens to be one of our favorite questions, and I'll punt to Jasmine. Yes, this this is our favorite question. I'm sure you won't be surprised. Which is, Shailene, what's what's your passion? Like, what's your passion in life? Oh, cigars, coffee, uh, alcohol. Perfect. No, um, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Yeah, Yeah. friends here. (laughs) I I mean, I could keep going. John Stamos, Gavin Rossdale, Billy Idol. um, She does have such a love for John Stamos. I made her a birthday card one time that had John Stamos. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she did. Yes, she did. (laughs) I know. I live for this. See, I miss. I just yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but if I'm if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be serious, I think my passion in life is honestly, like I said before, with the Emerson quote. if you wake up every day and you've made one person's life easier, this is to have lived. I think that's that's my passion. Like to wake up every day, every day and know that someone somewhere because of something I've done is living a better life, or I've helped them on what could be like the worst day of their life or a pretty rough situation. That is probably my passion. But after that, hands down, cigars. Yeah, Hands down. Clearly, right? I know. I need to get you and Mark together for sure. So I'd have to talk about it. So it is. So. Oh, well, Shailene, it's truly been a pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with us. And uh, we hey, wish you thank well. you guys. Yeah. yeah. Good luck I on was your totally officer humbled. Pursuit. Yeah, it's awesome. Good luck <laughs> totally on your officer humbled. pursuit. That's uh, that's amazing. We're we're gonna be know, cheering for you are, over for here sure. at Palmetto. So, like, yeah. Like how cool how cool would that be? Just my little face peeking mm-hmm. over. Oh yeah. A big rig, and then they're like, uh, "Hey, Chief Shy," but like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like that's me. Thank you very much. That's, that's me. <laughs> I'm sure. But no, truly, thank you guys so much, and thanks for thinking uh, I'm more than just uh, kind of lame like I tend to think I am. You are so, anything but, my friend. You are anything <laughs> but. And we, we truly are so thrilled to have you, you know, just doing so much for the community, making such a difference in lives. I mean, I could, I could, we could literally talk for a million hours. Um, one of my sweetest Shailene stories is time you spent with my little Aaron. Aaron was a, a little oh guy in our office and um, he was playing hockey and he was sort of this kind of awkward little kid and I had a meeting going on and Shailene's like send him to me and I'm like I don't know how this is gonna go I come back they're talking (laughs) hockey he was positive for the first I don't know 20 years of his life or so I mean he's only 20 now but still um that he was gonna marry Shailene you know he was very upset when he had a different when she had a different man in her life but that kindness you have that sweetness you have that ability to really hone in on what matters to people babe it makes you real special so um so we thank you for very much for sharing that with our listeners Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla. And I'm Jasmine. And we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink.